This podcast is brought to you by Hanley's Clean Meals. Hanley's Clean Meals provide you with nutritionally balanced prepped meals that will aid you in all walks of life. Hanley's Clean Meals provide numerous inter-county teams with meals. For more information, visit their website hanleyscleanmeals.ie or follow them on social media. Join now with David Berkjus to look back on a fantastic club final between Kiku and Chemical Crooks where Kiku won out two ways to 13 points after extra time. Uh, just took a while to process that result yesterday, David. Yeah, yeah, it took a while to process the whole day, Paul. It was a, it was a phenomenal day for GEA. The club really feels different than uh, any other competition, be it inter-county or, or anything else. It's just it's an incredible competition when you see people from the local parishes, went to school with, they grew up with, their families, their friends, etc., etc. Uh it was an emotionally zapping day and that was only for me and I was at home so I can only imagine how the guys on site were feeling but uh, it was a real, real advertisement for our sports. Just between the different stuff, there's I think a photo of Shane O'Sullivan on Twitter and you can just see the emotion. Even some of the ex-players from Bally Gunner going on to the pitch, Conor Laverty calling Mickey Moore and up for the cup. It, it just really shows everything that's great about the club game. The ex-players from Bally Gunner, you know, O'Sullivan there coming on, balling his eyes out, uh, you know, Mickey Moore and going, everything, everything about it, it, it. It's just got a more personal touch, obviously, than the than the inter-county game. And uh, you're really playing for the parish and you're really playing for your family, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so it, it, it's it's an incredible. And yesterday, I go long live in the memory. It was a phenomenal day. again just to see what I had missed and um, it was a phenomenal phenomenal day for uh, for for everybody and um, I really really think it's it's a huge advertisement for for the GEA for the club game everything that's good about it you know so um, um, long may it last with that game yesterday was it a game you enjoyed like we were just talking tactically what was it going to be like and obviously as a manager looking in from the outside maybe trying to take some nuggets of it is it could you take something from that game? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I, as I said, you know, if you look at the kickout presses for one, uh, both teams went man to man majority of the game and really, really caused problems for each other. If you look at the Kilmacud keeper early on, uh, you know, he should have been, you know, Kilku should have been out of sight at half time. If you if you look at it, they'd uh, converted two out of their ten scoring chances, Paul. Right. So uh, for a team like Kilku, that'd be unheard of. You know, whereas Croke converted eight of their ten. This is only in the first half alone and purely even on kick-out retention. Kilku got 10 out of 10 away and Croke's got 5 out of 9 away. So it'll show you Croke's got 55% and Kilku got 100% away. How Kilku went in 9 points to 2 down, absolutely, it's baffling. It's absolutely baffling how it happened. So um, um, or tactically, it shows when you press hard in the kick-out, there's going to be huge rewards. Kilku didn't take them rewards in the first half. They had the opportunities and some of their shot selection and some of their poor execution. Uh, could have came back to haunt them, but um, yeah, there was there was huge, huge tactical takeaways. Also, very difficult to be a defensive team in Crow Park. You know, when you uh, pace like Andy McGowan and Dan O'Brien and these lads come and you see Kilku struggled badly with them. Shane Horn had the freedom in the park. It looked like at times, and you know, as much as Kilku are an excellent defensive team, Crow Park throws that out the window with the width 
with the depth you can keep, and particularly when you have punchers, the likes of McGowan's and these boys coming from deep, Craig Diaz. Like, you know, it's very, very hard to pack the bus, for want of a better word, in Croker, you know? In nine too, like, Kim started, like, a house on fire, kicked some tremendous scores, but as you said there, I think nearly Q2 left 1-3, 1-4 behind them in that opening half. Oh, they did, absolutely they did. They, uh, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Kilku left, sure. What was it? Two from ten. So uh, you know, I think seven of them are wides, and then Conor Laverty's shot, which, uh, which should have been a goal. Like there's no way. Like I'd say, Lav, Lav won't be overly, overly impressed with himself now after that. You know, so that should have been finished. So um, um, yeah, the, the, like how, how they won the game, have considering how poor of a first half return they had, it, it's an incredible and it's it's a serious, serious um. Credit to that group, how tight knit they are, how how focused they are, and how you know determined they were to see it out, and how experienced they were. Things just weren't going for them. Uh, it was the second all out of final. It looked to be dead and buried. You know, Paul Devlin hitting the post from twenty yards out. Connor Laverty dropping the ball short, missing the goal from the goal line. Like there was a hell of a lot that went wrong, a huge amount that went wrong, and yet still they managed to steady it up and get in at half time. You know, on came with good there, like we were talking about transitional players and everything and like as you said they went man to man and really impressive in that open half uh, racing into a 9-2 lead yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like in fairness to Kilmacud, like you can only see one win. I don't think anyone anyone could tell you now they can expect to see Kilkill come out and win the game after half time. Um in fairness to you know, I thought they were excellent. One thing for me that stood out was the use of the ball. I thought Kilmacud tried to oh, sorry, Kilkill tried to set traps. I thought they tried to lure them in, which they might have against Derry Gunley and they might have against weaker teams, but uh they could not get the bodies around this Kilmacud side because they too much pace and big thing that they're too many skillful footballers, they're too many lads who can carry at pace, draw the defence and slip the ball out before, prior to taking contact. If you look at that Kilmacud team, it was expert in no, no contact. They never took contact. If at all possible, they avoided contact and uh, they carved Kilku open. Absolutely carved them open. And a carbon, you know, this game came down to one one, one key point after half time when Craig Diaz goal chance, right? If you look at that, Kilmacud didn't make one bit of contact the whole way up the field. Not one bit of contact. Slipped, give go, give go the whole way up the field. And Darren Mullins' execution, the last hand pass to Dias was probably just a yard off, a yard behind him, which enabled Mickey Rooney to get a hand in, which is some piece of defensive play. In fairness to him, a lot of teams you've seen in that position, Bob, just put the head down and accept it's going to be squared and it's going to be a goal. Whereas in fairness to Rooney, it was a phenomenal, probably one of the best pieces of defending I've seen probably since Conor Gartney's block or something like that. Really, really out of the top, top draw, fair play to him. But Kilmacud, the way they sliced them open was with their hard runners, but they absolutely avoided contact at all times and the use of the ball. There's some really, really skillful footballers here. I know Brian, Brian was talking about um, Brian was talking about the pace, their power, their athleticism. They have every bit of that, but their use and their skillfulness was, for me, was clearly evident. You talk about that Mio Rooney interception. Terrific, like, just to keep going, as you mentioned. But that surely gives team oxygen when you're trying to come back yeah absolutely yeah defensive people don't realize the defensive play pocket every can be every bit as important or a g up as, as a score you know because uh, you ever look a bit a big block or a big turnover or whatever it might be you get serious auction out of that whereas the opposition obviously get drained so um you know tim could talk about over the line ds had a pound that to the net it was game over there was no coming back from, from 10 points down so um 
So um, yeah, absolutely, you can get huge, huge jobs. And even as a manager and as a coach, you would you would be you would be telling your defense when we're defending, lads. Let's aim for a turnover. Let's try to get a block in. Let's try to get a hand over here. And then and if you win the free, because nine times out of ten, Paul Wilds after a turnover, you break out. They foul you. Handy free picked up. What does John Milan do then? Fist pumps to the crowd. Gets you going, and everybody's delighted. You know that kind of way. So there is huge emotion involved in all these. And uh, but what Mickey Rooney done was absolutely top class and a real sign of a determined and uh, never say die attitude. I'm telling you, 99% of the lads would have given up there and said, ah, oh, it's in the net, we'll, we'll kick on again or whatever it might be, we'll go again. But fair play to him, it was phenomenal, phenomenal. But I'd say Mullen is kicking himself this morning. The ball just needed to be half a yard in front of Dias and Mickey wouldn't have got there. It was just level with Dias and it allowed Mickey to get a hand to it. So um, for such a good player like Aaron Mullen and the season he had, he was phenomenal all year. I'd say he's a little bit disappointed in the execution there, you know. As well in that first half, Shane Horan and Darren Mullen centred, but even the turnovers, like Rory O'Carroll has had a remarkable club campaign. It's nearly back to the Rory O'Carroll we've seen when he was winning footballer day. Oh yeah, yeah, my God, I wasn't certain whether Rory would would come back or would reach this level, but my God, he was mighty impressive again. He was not in the match in the semi-final, I think, a serious, serious operator. And when you take a number of years out, it's like with an injury, do you get back to the same level? You know, that kind of way, I know you're in traveling, etc. So, uh, well, he's back, he's right the way back. He can, he can do it any way you want, Pa. He can man-mark, he can play football, he can sweep, he can read the game. Uh, he, uh, for me, himself and Craig Dias are head and shoulders, Kilmacud's most important players and most influential players. And uh, Rory was excellent this whole campaign. And um, any way you want it, he'll mix it with you. Physical, any pace, you name it, he has it. Uh, he's, he's, he's a Rolls-Royce defender. And um, um, I would only imagine Desi Farrell will be hounding him now for, 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 for the next couple of weeks or whatever. You call him back in if you're a top of manager. Oh, I'd give him till Tuesday and I'd be on the phone. Yeah, because you see with that defence, like and like we've talked about Dublin naivety in the podcast. That's one man who's not naive defensively. No, he's not naive. Jeez, he's such a good reader of the game. And, oh, God, Dublin wouldn't be wide open. I wouldn't be exposed. If he was playing six, I'd tell you that much for nothing. They wouldn't, Davy Byrne wouldn't, wouldn't have as many sleepless nights in there. What did Croaks do wrong to let Kiku back into this game? Oh, some of their decision-making. I think there's two of them. I think Craig and Rory have, have an all-Ireland medal, uh, medal with, 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 from the Crokes team. I think the rest of them, all, all, all the other guys, was their first first appearance. Um, and you could see, you could really, really see some of the errors they made. There was key moments there in the second half when, you know, there was key moments. It was a shot from the sideline, drop short. And we speak about oxygen. So they were a point up. They really needed to now kill two with all the momentum. They got a goal, they got a couple of points. Obviously, DS's goal had, hadn't just been stopped in the line. There's a couple of key moments here when Kilmer could, all they had to do was tag a score on and break the momentum, you know, stop the rot here. And for me, a couple of uh, poor, poor um, shot selection from the sideline, poor execution, and really, really cost them. Now, a couple of them were subs, but still, it, it doesn't make a difference. You still, I just thought they gave the ball away and turned the ball over. And two key ones that, um, but one particular key one that sticks out in my mind and, 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 and was Shane Horn. I thought Shane Horn was, I thought he was the best player in the field in the first half. I thought he was, just had the run of it, kicked two points in play. I thought he was key in the transition, both attack and defence. He was doing everything. And then he went off because obviously he was getting tired and came back on near in the end. And a uh, key turnover. Looked to me, but tired hand pass in the corner. 
and Kilku broke up the field and I, I just thought and that's ultimately where the goal came from. Yeah, yeah, I know it was a, it was the next play, but still ultimately uh, Shane should either ran it to the corner, waited for support. He tried to he tried to tread hand pass to a gap that was never on. It really looked like a fatigued, tired hand pass, which is fair enough after after the cuts of eighty odd minutes of football. But um for such an experienced intercounty footballer like Shane, you would have expected him to probably look after the ball a small bit better there. And obviously then he can flip it around to the goalkeeper too. Uh, um, you know, he was left very isolated, left very exposed, and, and obviously booted the ball away into the definitely into the wrong man's hands in, 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 in they were 9-3 down, Michal Rooney gives them huge oxygen, Paul Devlin gets a free, gets them back into the game, but talk about a fortunate goal. Oh God, yeah, yeah, Bobo Kane is turning into a big personality online too, I think he's a, he's a keeper there, he loves a pizza or something, so uh, uh, He'll be he'll be playing this one up like he meant it anyway. But um, yeah, obviously, obviously, the, he didn't get the best connection on it. Uh, Sheen and Johnson doing very well. In fairness to him, now he was really in the keeper's line. If you remember back to the Ballyhale and St Thomas's game a couple of weeks ago, TJ was there. Everyone looks at TJ and the brilliant shot at the end, but no one really watched Conor Fenley and what he was doing. Conor Fenley was standing right in front of the keeper's line, and keeper didn't see it at the last minute. The ball was gone by him. So uh, Sheen was similar there last night in that he completely made a nuisance of himself. And uh, ultimately, I, I don't think anyone got a touch. Maybe a Kilmacud player got a touch. I'm not really entirely sure. Ross McGowan could have got a touch. On. Yeah, maybe. But I think Johnson, in another day, McGowan would either break that or he'd catch it or whatever it might be. But Johnson made enough of a nuisance of himself and got in the way that um, um, ball ended up in the back of the net. And again, we talk about turning points. You know, look, Kilkoo never do anything spectacular. They're not a pretty team to watch. And, and, and yesterday was absolutely no different to that. But um, um, look, in fairness to the keeper, he, he turned the whole game on its head. Yeah, and like if we're looking even at the end of normal time, Keane O'Connor came on and it's just a phenomenal impact as a sub all year. Puts them in a position of two points ahead. And we thought either of these sides if they're in a lead that it'd be hard to break them down, but they still come back two scores from Devlin and he forces extra time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they Keen O'Connor has some sub, and in fairness to him, it feels sorry for him nearly because he, Robbie Brennan had to keep him as that role. He was so impactful all year. He won in the county final coming out with a late goal. All year, he's been the game changer for them, particularly. So, um, um, in fairness to Keen, I'm sure while he was only delighted to do it for the team, I'm sure he wanted to start like every other young lad. You know, that kind of way. Keen would have been involved in doing setups all the way up. So, you're talking about a very, very strong, good footballer here. He'd start for any club team in Ireland, I'd imagine, you know. So, um, yeah, huge impact. And once again, he did it again. That was some score he kicked. He was in trouble. There were three kill men around him. Nearly overcarried the ball and swung the ball over the bar. That was serious, serious, serious score now. Fairness to him. So, um, again, put them two up. You couldn't see two teams who defend as well as Kilku and Kilmacud. You know, and that was that was heading for 58 minutes, whatever it was, heading for. They um, they were, for me, again, the game was over again there. But a fair play to Kilku broke forward again. And as you said, PD stepped, stood up again and, and kicked two super scores. And the second one was all the hard work from the Brannigans. That was that could have been that could have been a hard break for Kilmacud already because Eugene had a shot there blocked on the edge of the edge of the square there that uh, broke out to Devlin and he tapped over the score to, to equalize the game. But that, that shot from Brannigan could have went anywhere, first of all. So it was a serious block by Kilmacud. And then um, Devlin stood up to to and in fairness to Paul Devlin. Some seriously important scores at key, key moments. He's a very, very experienced player. Himself and Laverty are similar players. 
probably you know the legs aren't quite there anymore and um, probably quarterbacks more than out and out poacher finishers anymore and really guide the team around and let the Johnsons and let the Branningers with all the pace and Caleb Doherty let them boys do all the grafting and they really kind of dictate and guide them around the field and fairness Devlin and Laverty had a very very rough start very uncharacteristic rough start some of their shot selection some of their execution was very very poor and um, to, the two of them still came good Laverty kicked two massive points and Devlin kicked three or four massive points. So, um, uh, you know, there's a bit of experience. While right out of poor first half, another young lad might get the head down, Paul. Uh, these these guys didn't. But to get to your original point of when you go two points up, Crokes, we would have spoke during the week to say, geez, there's no way a team as good as either of these for two points up in the last will be broken down. But Crow Park is a different animal. You, you cannot, in my experience of it, it's very, very difficult to, to, to park the bus and to play that defensive game. Very, very difficult to keep the, just with the width you can keep, with the depth you can keep, with the, with the gaps you can open, and um, the gaps you can open with trail runners and dummy runs, you can really move defences there, shift, and if you're, as we said, if your use of the ball is good enough, which both of these teams really are excellent, their use of the ball and how they look after it, um, yeah, you can cause a defensive team. And look, Dublin have shown this, in the, the, you know, the Dublin roles have shown this, that Tyrone had to change their game. It wasn't working anymore. Don't all of the change. It doesn't work anymore on Crow Park. We've all figured out how to break it down now. So um, uh, it was no surprise that came back. One very frustrating thing about Kill Two for me is, and look, they're all Ireland champions. They won't give a hat what I say. But uh, they're, and I know it keeps people short selection, but it looks to me at times they're so, they're nearly overcoached in that they, 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 they lack of, the lack of off-the-cuff shot is, is phenomenal. You could be in the scoring zone, top of the D, and they'll cycle the ball. I've never seen a team to hand-pass the ball backwards as often as as, as Kilku do. And, that um, was a, a shock to me because, like, you could see with Ryan Johnson, he wasn't... He was obviously taken off, and then he was brought back on, and Jerome obviously got the goal, and fantastic. But their two players, if you play with a bit of abandonment and <laughs> freeness up front, them two players thriving. Try, and what they want is space, like you know, they, are, they want space, they want you know, they, they, they want can like the likes of them guys. There's a saying in GA and coaching chaos, like you know, and, and as a coach, I'd always say structure trumps chaos. So if you've an organized defense, you know, in general, it'll come out on top against chaos, you know, whereas up front, you obviously want chaos because because you want to disrupt the, the opposition, you know, that kind of way. So, um, whereas yeah, they play such a structured. It's tough now. It's a tough game to watch. I enjoy the tactical element to it, but it's a very, very tough. And you wonder sometimes are they playing to their absolute strength? But the one thing they probably are missing is if you look at the Johnson brothers and Caleb Doherty, probably all really half forwards, really. You know, they're probably all, whereas they're probably just lacking a real quality marquee inside forward. Now, again, take nothing away from them. They're all out of champions. They're fair play to them. They're a brilliant, brilliant club side. And Laverty is a uh, he's genius. The man is a genius. His football brain. And did you notice every game Conor Laverty was taken off this year today? He played every minute yesterday because the chips were down. But when the chips were down, he played every minute. I'd imagine that man can't even walk today. Like, you know, and um, he'd be a very clean living man. Conor, I would have worked him in Trinity College years ago. Really, really good football man. And um, he 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 put in some shift yesterday, but. That's what I'm saying. They're probably all half forwards, really. Probably really lacking a, a top quality inside forward. And maybe that's why they play the way they do ball. Maybe that's why they literally work it as close to the goal as possible. You, know? you talked there about Conor Laverty still doing it at his age. So central yesterday to the KQ revival. I take it this man off the pitch 
just lives and breathes football. You could even see yesterday on his tweet after the game, when it was, I think he added something like, when your dream becomes a reality. Ah, yeah, he's a serious, serious GA man. He works as um, the GA officer in Trinity College there. Uh, he's a sheep farmer. And I, he's a football man, and I think he's a very, very proud dad. If you ever look anywhere, you just see them four boys aren't too far away, them boys. So, uh, um, phenomenal, phenomenal man. So I worked for him for a year and a half there with Trinity a number of years ago. And, uh, yeah, he's a serious, serious operator. He's a very, very good coach in his own right, and you can see that. You can see on he's an on-field coach for uh, Kilkoo. He's excellent, absolutely excellent in what he does. He's just guiding lads around the field and very, very rarely gives the ball away, which was why yesterday... His shot laid on, two shots laid on, um, so uncharacteristic. You could see how leggy he was. He didn't have the legs together. He didn't have this. It was so uncharacteristic of him um, that he's such a brain, such a smart footballer that he doesn't have. But obviously the big day, that can happen to any of us. But he's a phenomenal, phenomenal coach. He's done a bit with Monaghan now. Obviously managed to uh, down on the 20s himself, one of an Ulster with them. So uh, he's a real, real top, top guy. The one thing I would say about him, don't ever try to ring him because he won't answer the phone. He's a horrendous man to get on the phone. But uh, he'll know that himself. He'll slag himself about that loud one. But uh, really, really top operator. And, um, you know, I'm delighted for the likes of him that he got his big day and got exactly what he wanted because there's very few of us in life, Paul, who, um, whether he finishes or not, that's obviously his own thing. But there's very few of us in life who can, who can reach the pinnacle and then on our terms, you know, if, if, we, if we decide to head off the likes of well, I remember is probably Brian O'Driscoll, really. Very, very other few decide, I've done everything I want to do. Today's the day I, I stay away, you know, that kind of way. And Lav, if that's the route he decides to go, has that opportunity now, which is incredible. You, know? you talk about a football brain there and everything. As a manager, like, I can't imagine Conlon Gilligan or even Mickey Moore have to tell Conor Averty what to do in most occasions. Anything. I'd say to tell him nothing. Um... Yeah, I, they, they, I, like uh, you're you're playing thirteen, there, Connor. You're coming out and playing as a third midfielder. Or your quarterback knows, and he's in. They wouldn't. That system is so well done. That system is so well rehearsed for years and years and years that uh, I'd say there's very few conversations had. I would imagine a lot of that's player led. I'd say Lav takes a lot of sessions, takes a lot of well, maybe not full sessions, but definitely drills. Definitely takes team meetings or parts of team meetings. You know, the best teams in this country are player led. Best teams in any sport are player led. And I'd imagine the likes of Condit, Mickey, are very open to that. They wouldn't be where they are if they weren't, you know. Um, so uh, I imagine, like, having a player like that. And the good thing about it is he's such a good man. You know it's all for the right reasons. There's no ego there. Um, he just wants Kilku to be better. And I'd say the likes of the Johnson, not knowing them, you know, the young guys there, Aaron Morgan, Dylan Moore, I'd say they need, they need guidance. They have serious pace, serious athleticism exuberance, probably want to go, go, go all the time. Again, I don't have any insight, but it just looks, strikes me that way. So, um, I'd say they need PD, they need Laverty to just, just say, oh, whoa, 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 come back here, boys, for a second now, cycle that ball, switch that play, bring it back, keep it alive, whatever it might be, just to, uh, to comp, and they probably have the balance perfect, you know? It's just on extra time in that game, like, we talked about holding balls, and this was so central in the first half. Like there was one point each, the size went in level, uh, one eight to eleven at uh, halftime and extra time. Yeah, yeah. As I said, it, it's not for the purists. It's it's very very um. It's it's a tough watch at times. One major stat after fifty seven minutes, 
uh, there was 57 kick passes for Kilmacud and there was seven for Kilcoo. So whether we call them the All-Ireland Football Champions, I'm not sure. They're definitely the All-Ireland Champions, but they're the, the All-Ireland Ball Champions, I'd say. And um, they, 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 they do not kick the ball away. <laughs> we knew how efficient they would be. Now, sorry, they weren't efficient from the goals, but we knew how efficient with the ball in general in open play they would be. I do think both teams really set up uh, to avoid the counter. I think both teams did their absolute, as I said about Crow, keep the ball alive. They very rarely took contact, really trying to avoid the two's biggest threat, which is the making the transition game with all the pace. So um, I do think that, but holding the ball was a key, key facet. And the two have absolutely no problem going 40 yards backwards. At one stage there, late on, in, 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 injury, in extra time, it worked the ball right the way up to the top of the D. Caelan already came forward, right the way up, patient, patient, with a minute and a half, onto the top of the and I couldn't believe my eyes when he turned around and went all the way back out with a 20 yard kick pass back out to the 45 cycle the ball back again. You know, and maybe that's why they're as good as they are. Most of the lads would either have had a cut there or try the hand pass, maybe that wasn't on. And uh, not in Kilku, you work it again, you get a runner off the shoulder and you, you cycle the ball back to field again. You know? So, uh, look, it, 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 it's, it's a very, very effective style of play. If you look at it, Dublin introduced it a couple of years, but it's really holding on to play, tiring out defences, and uh, look, Kilku have it perfected. I'm not saying it's it's ideal. Um, I love to see the ball kicked as much as the next fella, but um, um, look, it is effective against certain teams. You know? To stick to that system as well, like even when they were down by two, they were still kind of doing it. You could see before they worked the goal, Derek Brannigan had at one stage, and he was solo, and he was going online, but... To keep at that system, and especially in an all Ireland final, because you can hear a lot of groans and stuff in a crowd when a team does set up that way. Yeah, you have to. You have to. Uh, honestly, it's the discipline. It's the coaching. It's it's you fall. It's like this, Paul. You fall to the standard of your training, and, and that's as simple as so. When chips are down in any competition in life, your your lads will revert to the, the, the level they've they prepared to. And clearly, this Kilku team are prepared year on year to a serious, supremely high level. And ultimately, what do you see most teams doing there, Paul? Lamp a big man on the edge of the square there, fire a couple of balls in, hope for the best. And, and that's just not Kilku's way. And to be honest, I don't know if they have that man either. But it's just not the Kilku way. And um, so they, 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 they worked it, they worked it, they worked it. I'd be, I'd be, if I was Mickey and Conlon, I'd be very, very proud of that. Very, very proud of that. Probably had a very, very similar scenario myself in, in 2019 in the county final. Uh, first day, we, we, we were down, it was we were down a lot, and it was probably four or five minutes over, a point down then, and uh, even chairwoman was on the line, and the crowd were roared, let it in, let it in, let it in, and the 15 men behind the ball, and that just wasn't our philosophy, wasn't how we were playing, and ultimately we worked the score, and um, got the draw and won the replay, and that was, you know, I would have been so disappointed if we had to lamp that ball into the edge of the square, and, you know, for the break, and, and, and Murphy would have come out the field and game over. And, and you, you can live or die by your sword. And our philosophy and the food philosophy obviously was to work it, work it, patient, patient, work it, work it, and the opportunity would present itself. And um, fairness to them, that's what they've done, and they, you know, fair play to them. How did you develop that patience on the ball? Oh, scenarios, scenarios, scenarios. Keep putting the lads, keep painting the picture for them every night in training ball. So, my, you know, my whole philosophy on it is, and I'm sure, you know, it'll be replicated around the country by these top guys, is, you know, you got to put the guys in the scenario they're going to face at the weekend as often as possible, or whatever plan you have, you got to put them in it as often as possible. So, whether that's drill-based scenarios to lead into games, really and truly to be putting the lads in the game-based scenarios, 
and facing that. So put 13, 14 behind the ball. Give them a scenario. Say, right, boys, three points down here or a point up here. Whatever you got to do. And give them the scenario. Save two minutes on the clock and work it here, lads. And let them make the mistakes and let them learn on the training field of exactly how we want, what we want to do, what they want to do, and exactly what we don't want to do in that scenario. And um, like I'm sure if Kilmacud had it back, they didn't want to keep her up with that scenario, their very last play of the game. So um, um, the only way to do it, it's like anything in life, Paul. Repetition, repetition, repetition. And I'm sure on that training field in Kilmacud, some of the Johnson boys, some of the uh, Brannigan, some of the Morgan made mistakes. And I'm sure Connell blew the whistle in that. Okay, thought we threw that. What happened there, boys? Do we want to do that when the chips are down and when the... That when that when the you know everything's on the line in a couple of weeks time or you know in a couple of months time is that the right decision Chile? you know that kind of way yes you've loads of gas yes you've loads of pace yes we want you to use it but do is it right now was the green grass could you go or were you beating one man to run into another man you know so um the only way to do it is repeat it in training and keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it until you're blue in the face but the key to that part is players Players want cohesion and they want everything. They, they want to understand, right? But they want variety. So if you as the coach, really you're doing the same thing very often, but it's up to you as the coach to frame it and to keep the variation to it. But ultimately, you know, it's probably the same thing you're doing or very much the same thing you're doing. Ultimately, you're dressing it up so the guys nearly have think it's something else so they're not getting bored and it's not getting monotonous for everyone. You know, that kind of way. That's So the key for me is present them in the scenario as often as you can. And probably the biggest thing, and I nearly guarantee a Connacht does it, is when the mistakes happen, sorry, the two parts, when the good things happen, let them know. This is exactly it, boys. When they don't do it right, pull them in and say, man, this is exactly what we don't want. Why? And ask the group, why is that not good? What will happen against Kilmacud when you do that? And that we got to learn from this, you know? So that's how you do it. There's no other way. And obviously having smart players, Paul, helps too, you know? And Callum Pearson puts Kilmacud to head. You're thinking extra time, Kilmacud just can't lose this. Yeah, and another fair sub to have uh, himself and Keane are two, two, two fair subs at that level. Um, yeah, Callum puts them two up and another very, very good score. And um, again, same as the first half, you know, they'd be kicking themselves. They'd really, really be kicking themselves how they went from two game-winning positions to, to, to nothing, obviously, coming out the wrong side of the result. Um, really, again, though, you know, I spoke to you, you know, earlier on about the Shane Horns error, the goalkeeper's error, you know, two, not a huge, like, young guy, I can't remember his name, a young guy came off a Kilmacud there, I think he was 25, made a massive turnover in the corner early on when he came on straight away. And then when Sheelan was ultimately carrying the ball forward for the, for the ball inside, you know, he went by that young guy and he went by Andy McGowan, who's a fiercely experienced Dublin Intercounty senior player, panellist. And how on earth Sheila Johnson was allowed to carry the ball past two Kilmacud defenders, 30 yards of goal, when they both easily could have got a hand on him to take the foul, to take the black card, to slow the game down. I can't believe it. Well, yes, the 18-year-old, no problem. He's naive, he's young, he's, you know, he, he wouldn't have the experience at that level. Um, fine, you can accept that, but you can't accept McGowan not, 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 not taking Sheila to the ground there or not pulling the jersey and slowing that up. How on earth two points in it? It wasn't, and you see, Andy. Andy must be a, such a genuine fella. Keenan was going by him, and he sticks two hands in the air. Like that's what I'd be expecting. You know, when the game when the game is in, in normal time. You know, when the game is, you know, plenty of time in the clock. I'd be expecting him. Right, Andy, don't give away the free there. Put the hands up. Make sure the ref can't see anything we don't want him to see, and um, let him by you. Next man meets him, or we, or we can see the score. But when you're two points up at the, with, with with twenty minutes on the clock, and after extra time, 
it was criminal. It was absolutely criminal. How would a player of his experience look back to, was it O'Mahony who should have taken down Kevin McMenamin? Am I wrong there? Um, somebody should have taken down Kevin McMenamin in whatever year that was against Kerry, right? And that'll tell you the same thing. And he, he has a book out now and all he says, biggest regret how he didn't, you know, know that again, five or six, seven, eight years on. Them young guys have learned, but McGowan is a lot further down the road than the other young guy. And I really just can't understand how he let him go by him there. So a little bit of inexperience from Kim McCord really cost him and poor decision-making, but on the ball and off the ball. And we haven't even got to the point that there's two kill two men left square on that. How on earth for such a defensive side that Kim McCord are, they left two Johnson brothers on the edge of the square, you know, unmarked in, in, in injury time. Uh, it baffled me. Absolutely baffled me. Just on Keane O'Connor as well, like, it was a big move I thought to take Tom Fox off because he's a free taker and everything, but the way Keane O'Connor stepped up to them frees uh, for Keane McCullough, like, it does stand in really because he's not a player who usually takes frees. He's played predominantly wing back, obviously moved into the forwards uh, this year and, like, I think his first touch was a difficult enough free and he was able to slot it over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you spoke earlier, a phenomenal impact he's had. Absolutely phenomenal impact. But I, uh, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't have backed him to kick that free. Uh, I wasn't that confident with him standing over it. And um, I was serious execution. And he is a class footballer. He is a quality, quality footballer. And uh, I'm sure he couldn't be a million miles away from the Dublin panel. Couldn't be a million miles away. He is a quality, quality footballer. So um, it was a fair score. And uh, yeah, converted uh, back, converted into a forward now. And fair play to him. Uh, he won't be on the bench for Kilmacud in the first round of Dublin Championship, but wouldn't have thought this year. You talked there then about the goal. Like, I don't want to call out the keeper or anything, but yeah. he will kind of look back and think, why was he on the sideline? As we were talking off here, why didn't he drive it down the pitch? But I thought... This is all hindsight you can look back when you're caught in that moment and especially around kill two bodies. But then Ryan Johnson's shot is saved. In fairness, Conor Ferris works his way back excellently to be back in the goal line for that. Is Jerome Johnson in the square? Oh, look, probably didn't see enough camera footage. I said behind the goal is probably the best one there. I didn't see, I didn't get a proper look at the camera footage, good camera footage anyway. Oh, it's tight. It's very, very tight. It would be uh, either way. It's a killer. It's an All Ireland club championship one way or another. Um, I'm going to say he wasn't. I'm going to say he was when he when he received the ball. Yes, he was. But where was he before the ball got in there? You know. So um, uh, no, I, I I'm going to say he wasn't. Having not seen the proper footage, I'm sure Kim could have seen the footage at this stage. I take it you don't ever want to see the footage of it. But um, um, he he wasn't. I'm going to say he wasn't. But just, just on it, like, you remember Donegal two weeks ago here against Mayo and Patton came up the field. The very same position in Markovic Park as, as he came out in Crow Park last minute of the game against a Mayo team who pressed notoriously press high up the field and are savage tacklers. And he gets turned over, Henley kicks the free draw game. You know, and they, they flipped that around to yesterday. You know, you're two points up here, Kim. You're two points up. Just secure this. You know, you've absolutely nothing else to do here. No goal and you win this game. It's 19 and a half minutes, 20 minutes on the clock, whatever was on the clock. You, you, no goal and you win this game. So, keeper, stay in your line. Like, this fly keeper, crack ball, it's so dangerous. Yes, can, like, look at Begging coming forward and catching her own narrow and kicking his cup. Absolutely. There's huge benefits to it, right? But if your ball retention and your use of the ball isn't good enough, you get turned over to goal. So, the risk-reward is massive here. Don't and, do that at the end of the game, though. 
You what? You don't do that then. Yeah, look, if they were chasing the game, Paul, absolutely. Come out and create an overlap. Go for it. 100%. Lose by five or lose by two. Who cares? You're winning by two points in an all Ireland final. This is what I'm saying. And the young guys watching these keepers today and everyone who wants to be a goalkeeper now, it's very, very dangerous what, what, what we're doing here. And, and, and I'd never allow it because it's absolute risk reward. Kilmer could now, and I'm not saying another defender might have done exactly what the keeper done, but Kilmer could have lost in all Ireland probably based on, on what the goalkeeper done. And, and but now he was encouraged to do that because you don't just come out as often as he does. And um, uh, obviously it was part of a plan, obviously it was part of a tactic. And ultimately they were caught out because of it. And uh, but the key key thing. So how he didn't sit on his line with two points up, I never know. Again, huge naivety by Kevin Cut on the line and on the field. How and I'd be roaring, get on the line. What are you doing? Short up here, boys. Short up. Same with Andy McGowan. How did they not take the free? How could they not? But the key part of the whole thing for me was keeper ballooned the ball up to Daryl Brannigan. If you watch the speed of the transfer, Brannigan takes about six players out of the game to John to Sheen and Johnson. So the ball gets ballooned to Brannigan, who's just at the far side of midfield, and say, right, catch it, doesn't take a play. He'd already scanned, he'd already looked up, and bang, he takes six players completely out of the game, a 125-yard kick pass straight in front of Johnson. Johnson's on the run. That young guy, whose name I can't remember, he had a step on him, he had a step on McGowan, and Johnson was away. Whereas if Brannigan had a look to carry that ball, Kimmel could have got a bit more set. You know, it would have been slower transition, it would have got a bit more set, and ultimately maybe it wouldn't have scored at all. Whereas Brannigan won the ball, yeah, he had his look done. He had his scan done prior to catching the ball, Paul. And look, that's why he is what he is. And I don't know that a lot of people notice um, the attention that Daryl Brannigan got the whole game. For me, it was blatantly obvious Kilman Cutts' tactics with Daryl Brannigan. He'd been handed the match twice up to date. He's that driving force from centre-back, particularly on the recycle day on the switch of point of that. Every time for me, he got on the ball, he was fouled. He was, it was a clear, clear target that stopped Daryl Brannigan making any inroads. They, they were tagging him. They were tugging him. And in general, and look, to stop a transitional side as good as Kilku, you probably have to do a lot of this. If you watch it, as I said, they didn't take the ball into contact. They slowed every free down. They stood in front of everything. Look, they were cynical, or you can call it tactically well set up. Whatever way suits your narrative, uh, Kilmer could were, were both of them things, you know? Do you think, like, like obviously later on that extra time, there is more of an emphasis, and, like, the pressure Kilku put on that ball, like, as we talk about, and if, as I said, and did you see the mountain pulling up a cramp? And they, yet they still, they still could could turn the ball over and force a force a poor poor execution of a ball by the keeper. And um, they, they are relentless. Now, in fairness, the one thing I will say is, you know, your your whole life is on the line. Your whole everything you're dreaming about is on the line. So I'm sure most teams in that scenario are going to hound. It's still a one score game. If it was a four point game, right? It's a different scenario. You see teams maybe die off a small bit then. But uh, in fairness to Kilku, I would have expected nothing less. They, they, no airs and graces about them. They are a dogged, tough, teak tough team. And I, I wasn't surprised at all that they, they fought and battled to the end, you know. And um, but they have some serious, serious good footballers. Eugene Brannigan has been the story of the championship um, between a tight, the two different boots. One glove uh, for the interview, but like. We talked about Daryl Brannigan being one of the driving forces. It was Eugene yesterday who was really one of the driving forces for Kilkenny. Yeah, Eugene. In fairness, he's obviously I don't know the fellow. He's obviously an alternative enough character, um, that uh, he seems to have his own quirks and his own styles and more power to him. He uh, he's a fair footballer now. 
Um, he's a fair, fair footballer on a lot of ball yesterday. Huge amount of ball, both defensively and in attack. He wanted a few nice breaks uh, from balls that were kicked inside, and they were the the full back got a hand to it. He came away, and um, and even a key with a key moment at one part, Eugene would probably be kicking himself if the result was different. Was and um, ball dropped short, or sorry, ball went wide from Tim McCood. Long kick out to the middle, broke to Brannigan, and away up the field he went on, on primary ball, you know, carried all the way to right the way up the sideline in the second half there, and looked to square the ball to Connor Laverty and completely overplayed the hand pass, missed Laverty, missed the keeper, missed everybody, and the ball went dead for a wide ball. Like, for Kilku, a team that prides themselves on, on, on getting it right and they're still under execution, he, um, that was poor, you know, that, that was quite poor there. So, um, he, but in general, He's an energizer bunny. He took so much ball. His lines, his angles, his, his awareness of space was excellent. He um he's a fair, fair footballer. And um, you know, them Brannigan's the whole lot of them. He's just afford them in the defense. Um I definitely them anyway. Um yeah, Aaron Dyle yeah. yeah, and then Aiden off the bench. So yeah. serious. Oh god, imagine the crack in that house. <laughs> Like, if we're just to look at this in an overall context, when you try so hard, like, they tried so hard even before Mickey Moran uh, came in, they couldn't get over the line in Ulster. They now have two Ulster titles. And sometimes when it comes to a final, you just might play your rest, but it's about sticking in there. And, like, as Eugene Brannigan mentioned uh, in his in interview yesterday after the match, he said, might have played their rest, but we done it to kill Kilkew way. We stayed in it. This was for Mickey Moore. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, it was, it was some interview that was in fairness to Eugene. Um, absolutely. Who who remember Brian McAvoy's free that went wide? You know, who's going to talk about that today in Kilkew? Who's going to remember Devlin hitting the post? Who's going to remember Laverty's Paul Wides? You know, who's going to remember any of this stuff today? Absolutely nobody. You know, ultimately, what can we talk about? Mickey Rooney's interception on the goal line. You know, uh, uh, Johnson's goal, you know, what what we talk about? All the key moments, the Bobo, I'm sure Bobo will let everybody know he scored a goal. You know that kind of way? They're what's going to be talked about today. Um, ultimately, when you come out the right side, whatever way you do it, nothing else matters, Paul. And in fairness to them, there's nothing glamorous about this side. While they have serious athletes, serious footballers, they do it their way, as Brannigan said, and they are religious. Like you asked, how do you, and the question you asked there was, uh, how do you coach that or how do you train that patience? There's another one, every way you coach it, like I said previous, but the big thing I'd say too is, if you take a pot shot, if you shoot out of the scoring zone, it's going back to Dublin here when Dublin are in the pump, I'd say the level of competition is so high, right, in the squad, that um, you get whipped, Paul, and you'll be changed. And I think that's, ultimately, you look at, I'm not sure how well Johnson was going, uh, Ryan, is Ryan, yeah, I'm not sure how well Ryan was going, and he was taken out. So, and he came in full of energy when he came back in. And full of running, a full of energy. So I, um, I, I, I wonder, did he get a talk and say, "Ryan, you're not at it. Out you get." And then I sit and do that, Ryan. And when you're ready to come back in now, and you're going to give us, you know, 100 percent or whatever, you know, you'll come back in. So I think the level of competition is there that um, they can afford to say, "Guys, this is how we're going to play," and and get on board with it. And if you step out of line, maybe like a bit like Dermot Connolly back in the day with the outside of the boot shooting and all this kind of stuff that we're seeing from Dublin now that you never would have seen two or three years ago. The two are the very same. It's step out, lads. You want to play? You solo runs here. Don't work. This is our way. This is how we do it. It's seasoned. We know what we're doing. And um, ultimately, you know, step on the line and we'll do someone else, you know. 
that work into your strengths as well. Like people have looked at an overall context and looked at Keith Q and looked at Colin Gilligan and looked at Mickey Moore and think it's a big club. It's not. Yeah. No, well, it's a big club traditionally. Well, now they've they've created it. Um, it's a huge, passionate G eight like townland for want of a better word. It's um, oh, it's massive. You know, massive G eight. I I I I love to experience Kilkill. I I'm definitely going to make it my business to get up there for a game, even a league game, and to experience it. Uh, see the area, all the sheep farm, and the one shop, one pub job. Like you know, really, really unbelievable achievement so but you know mickey moran's not there conor gilligan's not there you know um and they, these guys aren't there they knew what was there you know they knew what was there they knew what they were getting themselves into and uh, if you look at all the boys that are coming behind i think laverty is four do the brannigans have eight or nine between them as well boys so in 10 years time there's another serious senior football team coming in Kilku, and these boys will hang on to then or not hang on to then this team isn't done yet either so um um yeah, like it, it means everything up there. I don't think there's too much else going on, to be honest with you, Paul. You know? I'd have to give rural clubs, though, across the country inspiration to show what you can achieve when you get your house in order and everyone's kind of all on yeah. going towards the one direction and purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a few, absolutely. I know a few Kilkill boys. So it's a bit different now to just being a rural club and everyone, it, it, the key to it. Because we all have rural clubs. I'm from a very rural club. Well, not very, but a rural club in Kildare. And the key to it is, though, your last point is purpose. Everybody on board for the one purpose. And a lot of clubs in the country would struggle with that, obviously, for, for numerous reasons. Um, for distractions or whatever other reason you have. Uh, you know, whereas they, uh, as I said, I know a few of them. And, you know, everything, the whole week is dictated around what are you doing? When are we out? When's the game? When's the cover? When's the training? Whatever it might be, it's all dictated around that. Whereas a lot of clubs would have that from 70%, 80% of the panel. They don't have it from 100%. But from my experience, it's either you're on board with the shooting or else there's a second team or a third team there to play with, no matter how good you are. And that's ultimately the, the, the common purpose of getting as close to 100% of your panel driving in the, in the right direction. I know one guy particularly well on that panel and not a minute of football as he's seen since last year. Not a minute of football as he's seen. And he's the most dedicated, committed man and probably in the back of his mind, knows he's near in the end, in middle 30s, uh, years of age, and knows he's near in the end, wouldn't dream of missing a Kill session. Couldn't couldn't dream of missing a Kill session. And, um, you know, the whole life for kids dedicated around training for Kill Whereas they're the fellas that in other clubs, Paul, can't make it tonight in babysitting. Can't make it tonight. This is happening. The crash of communion of this Kill You don't have any of that stuff. Football is all around it, you know? Is that what you have to have to get over the line, you feel, in this? And like you look across McGlenn, you look at Curfin, it nearly seems you need this sacrifice and obsessions. And like you're even talking about clothes, and I've seen it up front sometimes, but I just feel maybe if you're looking at clubs who haven't had success, it just looks that not everyone in the panel fully believes of what can be achieved. That's 95% of panels in the country. Uh, maybe 99% of panels in the country. In the county level, you know, it's club level. It comes, a lot of it now comes down to two things. The, the quality of the management, um, not football-wise necessarily, as people, as man-managers, are understanding there is more to life than football. So I don't want to be a hypocrite here, but what I'm saying is there's nights when a fella genuinely can't make that, that. That doesn't mean he's not interested. That doesn't mean he's not on board. You know, 
you might be working late with a client or, or else so you, you could have a sick child or whatever. That doesn't mean that man doesn't want to kill coup or whoever to go somewhere. You know, it's the, when you see patterns and you see form emerge, they're the type of guys that have to go, you know, that kind of way. They're the guys that, that are, are, are in the percentage that aren't helping the squad, you know. So uh, ultimately, it takes huge sacrifice. Perhaps, and the club is barely more of a commitment now than in the county because it's 12, 12 months, Paul. Like, it's 12 months of the year. We're training away flat out. And, you know, we're not going to play a first round championship till the August bank holiday weekend. And it won't be the end if we're, if we're lucky enough to be there till mid, mid-October, you know. So it's 12 months year for us, whereas county boys will finish late is probably June, you know, that kind of way. And then they're, they're done for the year. So, so not that they're done for the year, but say the manager, they're done for the year. So it's, it's a huge commitment now. And for you, for you to be in a top, top level club, you need absolute buy-in. But it takes the management to be able to cajole the players along and bring them up, bring them down, peaks and troughs, understanding when you need to be ramped up, when you need to bring it back down again. And it takes a seriously intelligent bunch of players and a good bunch of leaders to uh, control the dressing room environment for such a long period of time. Because um, I'm even finding that myself at the minute. I'm stepping way back this time around compared to when I was here previous. And um, I'm really trying to time it better, Paul, because I would have been seriously concerned in my first run you know, league games and even cup games that are absolute, they're challenge games. That's all the cup games are, you know, and league games that ultimately mean nothing, you know, in March, April, May. And um, I would have been getting worked up and, you know, way over the top over, whereas I was coming into a club full of tradition who really don't switch on until August anyway, you know, no matter what you say to them. So I couldn't really get my head around that the first time around, whereas this time I like to think of a fair handle on that and that I, uh, I'm much more, with, not withdrawn, much more patient, and understanding now, knowing for well that boy, when the time comes, I'll switch, but so they'll come with me. You know that kind of way. So it kind of takes a bit of um, a bit, a bit of to and fro, but you need absolute sacrifice and understanding along. It's not a cult, like you know that kind of way. So uh, you need a sacrifice, but you need to be understanding along the way. You know. Are we kind of seeing patterns here as you see in the club game? Like, if you look at that Kilmacud team, um, starting fifteen. Yesterday, I think Shane Warren's the only player who's involved with an inter-county team. I don't think any thought of Kim McCudd lads were uh, last year. And then you look, Kilku maybe had one or two, but they they had their main players not involved with down. And it's this pattern we're going to see that the clubs who nearly have most of their players all year round are going to be the clubs who will be there, thereabouts. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, there's no doubt about that. Uh, two quick ones for me is, like, so Kim McCord, first of all, is Craig Dias could play for Dublin, definitely could be involved, 100% could be involved. Rory could be involved. You know, Keen uh, O'Connor could be involved. Shane Horan, Shane Horan's gone, he's retired as far as I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, right? So, uh, you know, Dave, Darren Mullen, I'd say, definitely could be on the Dublin panel, I imagine. You know, that kind of, so they've, they've numerous lads, numerous lads who are, are good enough to be on that panel. But obviously opt not to be on it, and and obviously the club team is very attractive at Dublin too. So it was all them different parts. To, to answer your question, in 2016 I would have managed my home club, Confi, which is a small club in Kildare, and um, it was senior club my whole life, still senior, still Division One, very very proud of that. And um, um, we so we had full squad, no county player, no nothing the whole year, uh, maybe one county hurler, had him a lot of the time, and. Um, uh, we ended up going on six months unbeaten, running Division One, one Division One league, first time ever. But it, but it went that far. It went to a senior semi final of a championship, first time ever, which would be you know quarter finalists would be max we ever went before. But long story short, we got our full panel, 
got a plan, got a system together and just honed in on it every night and were just better coached than everybody else up to that point before the two other or three other big teams really got moving in October. But from April to October, we were untouchable. Nobody could come near us. We had our best 15 on the field. Week on week, we were well coached. and Everyone had bought in. There were 28 players. And from 1 to 28, they were getting game time. I like to believe to be well managed and cajoled along. And that'll tell you, we got a team who were very much mid-table to sit at the top table. Purely for that reason. Because we had our best team every day. And that was why we could do that. And um, the scenario I'm in now, uh, with, with, with Sarsis today, is I have seven lads gone until June. So it's a huge different turnaround for me now in that, now I have numbers, we're very lucky that there's depth, there's quality, so there's no concern on that front. But we have to try filter seven guys back into our panel come June, July time, uh, you know, right on top of club championship. And they're getting different messages from different county manager. You know, you know yourself, it's a different group, it's a different system. Some of them might be playing for the county team. The confidence will be low, Paul. You might use to build them back up. Expect to be the best players in the club team even though they haven't touched the ball in six months because they've just been, you know, number 30 or tackle bags. You know, there's all these different things you have to you have to account for. And ultimately, does that hurt your club? I, I'd say it does. Now, if you can get over round one, round two, you know, probably you'll get, you know, you'll get the ship moving again. You know, that kind of way. But early on, you can definitely struggle without having, uh, when you're trying to, you know, integrate so many players back into the city. So those are the two first-hand experiences I've had of having, Full fifteen every week. You can you can be very very dangerous to anybody, no matter what level you're at. Or you can be, you know, traditionally one of the better teams, and you can struggle without your top men. You know. Yeah, no, that definitely seems like a massive challenge. And even if you're to like, do you stay in touch now with your intercounty players and maybe tell them about different systems just to be aware of it? So they're not kind of coming back into not knowing what's going on? Um, no, at the minute, no. I'm very conscious of some of them are playing Sigerson still, or were certainly up to this week. Uh, they're playing for an inter-county team. The last thing they need now is a club manager and item as well. Yeah. So we're not, in fairness to our lads, I will say they drop into training. At least once a week, every one of them will be at training, you know, at club training. So at least once a week, every one of them will attend one night. So that's for me. That's enough. They're showing an interest. That they're, they're showing they they are keen. Um, they'll stand in the middle of a hand passing drill. They'll get water bottles. Whatever they have to do, they'll do. And uh, that's enough for me, Paul. I'm happy with that. Once they're showing some sort, I'm very conscious of the mental load and the mental, you know, talent for these boys too. They, they have to be out in the county training grounds and you know how many times a week and then they expect to be a club chair. We don't expect them there, but I'm very delighted to see them there. You know, and um, so no. But a very limited contact with them. Yes, if there was a day, we'll plan one day, maybe in a month's time, where we will, um, where we will, might run through a plan for the year. We might run through right as a basic framework. We're going to play around this way. I would see if they're available out there. I might try book it around until their schedule, maybe. You know that kind of way. That's what I might try to do there. So, um, um, but if they're not available, they're not available. But ultimately, I'm probably going to be a little bit lucky, Paul. This is my second goal with the same bunch of lads. So, um, um. They'd have a fair handle, you know, while there'll be tweaks and changes. It won't be, it won't take, you'd hope you're in the county footballers have to be playing. That's ultimately why are they there? You know, that kind of way, if they're there, surely they can understand, you know. On Kilku, I was just looking at Mickey Moore's record before I came on the podcast. It's phenomenal, like when, when you look at it overall. But for him finally to get his hands on a club all around, because when he was over Mayo, I'm sure that. 
Kerry defeat in that All Ireland semi final where Kerry battered them. It probably has stuck with him for a while. Like I presume as a manager, it's nearly that kind of heavy defeat that will always kind of stick with you. Yeah, like you can be scarred absolutely. Like any player as a manager, you come at the wrong end of a drub and etc. It, it can scar you absolutely. It can scar you and, and 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 it can mentally affect you. And and you know what it does, Paul? Do it can affect your confidence. You know, many times I, you know. You might think, am I actually any good at this, or do I know what I'm doing here at all? And 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 and, and you'd be, you know, kind of kicking yourself. And I think we're all probably guilty of that, even in work or, or on field or whatever it might be. And many times I would be like that. So I'm sure Mickey would be no different. I'm sure he, um, um, you know, was questioning along the way. He's like nearly seventy years of age now, and what a what a man or what a manager he has been and is continues to be. Uh, but there's no doubt in my mind over the years, Mickey would be scared. And would have questioned himself and low in confidence and, and, and everything else, like like us all, you know. Uh, there's no worse place than being on the sideline on the receiving end of a bad drum when there's nothing you can do about it, you know, that kind of way. And it just shows, like, even the passion that they have for him, and how highly he's regarded. I know we have uh, Colin Gilligan in with him and a former Dunny goal coach, I think. Is. Carl Thornton, is it? Yeah, Carl Thornton with him as well, like, just. They, they look at the setups in fairness that's again look at the setup Paul right you know it got, you know the three the two of them are coming from Derry anyway and they travel together etc um, I actually think I actually think for a lot of COVID there Mickey and Connell travelled separate because Mickey's a good aged man and I think he was being very ca- careful you know so um, that'll show you as well them two guys drove separately from Derry you know whatever two three four nights a week whatever they were doing you know that kind of way now Mrs. I'll tell you as well now Fair, fair dedication from Derry over to uh, over to the Morns, you know. So um um that'll let you that too. But yeah, look again, look at the look at the caliber of people we're talking about. You know, Carl Thornton, uh, Conor McGilligan, and Mickey Moore in one management team. Like you know, that, but that's where we're going. Club again. Bally Gunner yesterday in his speech, Barry Coughlin, and he said Jerry Hussey and Tony O'Regan involved. Like. And do you also remember when he won the Munster, uh, Coughlin said something about, I'd like to thank everybody, all our supporters, both financial and non, or something like that. So, you know, what people don't realise is the top level club, the resources necessary to go into these teams is phenomenal. It's absolutely, it's, 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 it's in the county in disguise now. And um, it's a huge deal for clubs. You know, you can see guy clubs under serious financial pressure trying to fund these, you know, fund these teams. And uh, because gate receipts for clubs obviously is much lower than it would be elsewhere, you know. So um, that's what really the clubs need the bar, they need the team, senior team going well to keep the bar going well, to keep the lotto going well, keep membership up. Ultimately, that's what it's all about, you know, to keep your flagship team going. But um, yeah, like if you Jerry Hussey and these guys in a backroom team for a senior club team, it's no wonder they're in Crow Park. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's just showing the way the club game is going. David, who's your club footballer of the year this year? Ooh, um, who's my club footballer of the year this year? I'm going to go with Daryl Brannigan. Um, I just think, oh, he's so influential. My God, defensively, he's 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 an ox. He's solid as a rock. He reads the game, but his pace and his power, his acceleration to break the line, is incredible. And as I said, it, it's a huge compliment to him. How Kilmer could single him out so much to stop his driving force, to check him, to stop him, to foul him at source. Every time I felt early on, particularly, he got on the ball, he was he'd done their absolute utmost to stop at source. And for me, it's a huge compliment for the likes of him. And the way Kilku play, 
they need that Eugene, they need Daryl, they need these boys coming from deep because they don't, as we said, they don't kick the ball inside, they don't look for that thing to fall in, and um, they need them in. And I just think uh, he, he's an outstanding footballer, and I do think Kilcoo wouldn't have won the Ireland without him. So for me, he's he's been the outstanding footballer this year. Now look, I'm sure Eugene has has a shout and has to have a shout in it. Um, you know, Conor Laverty, while he doesn't get on the score, but even though he kicked two points yesterday, um, you know, real uh, what a pain, what a quarterback. He must be must be the smartest footballer in the country, but definitely up there, you know. Um eyes are but I'm sticking me colours to, to Darrell anyway. Yeah, no, fantastic year uh, for Kiku and a massive congratulations to you from all uh, in the podcast. Uh, thanks for your time, David. Cheers, Paul, thank you.